Hello and welcome to Contractor Chat, a podcast dedicated to discussing the hottest topics within the construction industry. I'm your host, Andrea Smith, the Marketing and Government Relations Director for Southwest Washington Contractors Association. The SWCA has been around since 1946 and is your local resource hub. We can connect you with plans, benefits for your employees, we can advocate on your behalf and provide you with a steady stream of referrals. We know that when your company is strong, construction is strong, and so is our economy. You can learn more about us and the services we provide at www.swca.org. Now, before we dive into this week's topic, let's hear a message from our sponsor, Northwest Natural. This is Paul Willocks from Northwest Natural, reminding you to know what's below. Call before you dig. It's as easy as 811. Be sure to plan ahead and call a few days before you start excavation. Remember, it's free and it's the law. I'm very excited to announce that we have Washington L&I here to talk a little bit about some of the laws and regulations that have changed um, broadly and also as it applies to plumbing and electrical laws. So thanks so much, Washington L&I. Let's get started. So my name is Jager Evinger. I'm with the Department of Labor and Industries, uh, Contractor Compliance Inspector is my title. What I do as a contractor compliance inspector is we regulate contractors' registration in the state of Washington, uh, licensing requirements, making sure all contractors are licensed, bonded, and insured, and following the proper procedures when acting as a contractor. We also govern over electrical licensing, plumbing licensing, uh, factory-assembled structures, which is mobile manufactured homes. Um, we'll deal with the permitting issues on that. and. Uh, the certifications of the installers but as L&I as a whole we're here for the workers and we're here for the contractors and anybody in between and so we want to thank you for having us here today Uh, we've definitely taken the approach to try and be proactive and get the knowledge out there as much as we can and do the best that we do the best we can yeah we love it thank you so much for Mm -hmm. being here um so what does the day in the life of a construction compliance inspector look like? That's um, a very complex question mm-hmm. uh, because we have a very uh, changing schedule, whether if we were doing on-site visits that day, which in a, a, a day in the life of an on-site visit is we'll go out to construction sites, whether planned or unplanned. Sometimes we will get permits from the cities or counties or uh, the jurisdictions and base it off of that, looking for new developments mm-hmm. or new construction going on. And then if we're in the area, we'll see other other job sites and we'll stop in, identify ourselves, hey guys, how's it going, and check their company to make mm-hmm. sure that they're registered as contractors and if they're doing any licensed required work, mm-hmm. uh, check their licenses as well. Uh, days like today where we're doing yeah. some outreach and presentations we'll meet with cities or counties or homeowners associations and kind of go over why to hire registered contractors or some of the common things that we see and so we have presentation we have job sites we have office work obviously and for documentation but as like I would like to tell my boss is this job is a job of a thousand scenarios yeah. so Sometimes who knows what you're going to be doing. You might get a phone call and say, hey, can you come over here or can you come over there? Maybe in the office. You may have to travel. We have a very big area for at least the southwest Washington. We have two inspectors for seven counties. Oh, wow. So we travel a lot, and a good visual range would be from 
the Columbia River here, mm-hmm. all the way up to Lewis County, mm-hmm. out to the beach and to east of the mountains. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's it's That's a, crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a big area. So, a day in the life is pretty unique. We get to see a lot of different things, but uh, mainly we're out there to keep keep everybody safe and yeah. and working for the good contractors as well. And we're just out there making sure everybody is licensed that need to be licensed. And mm-hmm. if not, um, we talk to a lot of homeowners sometimes building yeah. their own garages, and it's more of a outreach part. If you guys are ever interested in hiring a contractor. Check them out. You can call me personally. We're pretty transparent. All of my information's on my card, cell phone numbers, and so we take that approach. And yeah, so it's a really unique job. Yeah, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Really varied. That's awesome. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the common mistakes that contractors make. Do you want to just cover some of those? Yes. So as a compliance inspector, uh, I do have to write tickets or infractions sometimes. So mm-hmm. we see. Um, those mistakes happening and it, sometimes they're negligent and sometimes they're just an honest mistake and but what we see a lot that we like to base on is the model disclosure statement some of you may know of what that is some may not a model disclosure statement is a requirement by the contractor reg chapter the rcw is 1827114 and it is a prerequisite to lien so okay. it works for the contractors and the homeowners because the homeowners will get that document and it will show the contractor's bond and the bonding amount and let them know of all the possible lien laws in the state of Washington. If I'm not paid, I may put a lien on your home, suppliers. So it's an informational document for the homeowners. Mm-hmm. And it's also a document for that contractor that if they do not do that, they may not be entitled to lien the property or yeah. or the residence because they did not get that paperwork. And it has to be signed by the consumer and he kept on file for three years. Okay, three years. So if I was to say, call you, mm-hmm. hey, I'd like to request a copy of your model disclosure that you provided the customer prior to starting work. You have to be able to provide that to me. It can be provided, it could be scanned, it could be an original paper copy, okay. just as long as we can see that. And for for commercial side of things, for that is it's up to $60,000. Anything under $60,000 requires a model disclosure. Anything over 60000 does not. Okay. And then residential is anything over $1,000. Gotcha. So it's anything over, you are required to provide that. And then I w- <laughs> it is prior to starting work because sometimes things will start going south with either the contractor or the homeowner, and then they'll try and sign it then. And it's mm. null and void. So it's make sure it's done there before and make sure it's provided when it is needed okay so that's one thing okay uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then there's a lot of times where we'll see contractors that'll do electrical or plumbing and they're not electrical or plumbing licensed or they don't have a electrical uh, contractor registration uh, so they're very strict on those pretty mm-hmm. much a good rule of thumb if it's electrical or plumbing and you're not a licensed individual you can't touch it Gotcha. It, it, it's not to say that you don't know how to do it. It's mm-hmm. just the licensing is in place for consumer protection and public safety because yeah. those in, licensed individuals take classes and are in training programs and they're they're there. So that's a good rule of thumb there. Um, we see a lot of contractors that are not registered fully. And the way I want to say that is they'll do step one or two, mm-hmm. and we can get to this a little bit after this question. But um, they'll they'll get like a business license. And then they'll pay for an insurance and bond. Yeah. But it's not on file with labor and industry, so they're not 
registered. Mm-hmm. So they may think they're doing it right, but unfortunately they're they're not. At the end yeah. run, they're putting themselves at risk for liability, mm-hmm. and the homeowner at risk for no protections when they're doing work. So we see that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, oh, eighteen two. Yeah. So a, a big one is hiring unregistered contractors. Okay. So as a general contractor. If you hire an unlicensed contractor, you're subject to infractions as well. Mm-hmm. The exemption for that is if when, say, I hired you, mm-hmm. I checked your registration, and you were active, and we signed a subcontractor agreement. Yeah. You did your you did your due diligence. We like to see maybe projects, if every different project, you guys are maybe signing new agreements. So when you sign that agreement, and they're good to go, mm-hmm. they're good. Okay. But if you have no, if you do not have a contract and say like, hey, I need you to come work on a house that I'm doing for a couple of days, it's from the, their contract date is from the first day it worked. Okay. So make sure that when you are hiring anybody, they are registered. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you may be subject. Um, and then the registration aspects, we see a lot of uh, issues there. Is where it comes down is a specialty contractor. Mm-hmm. You can drywall. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> drywall, painting, any any kind of specialty, landscaping, mm-hmm. they are required to have a $6,000 bond, okay. which is for a specialty contractor. Those contractors cannot hire any other contractors. There is some exemptions for incidental work. Let's say a painting contractor is painting the outside of your house, mm-hmm. and you need to take off the lights or put new ones up. Technically, the painting contractor cannot do that. It's electrical work to take that off. I see. Yeah. And put it back on. You can hire an electrical contractor to come out and do those two things. Okay. The way that I've been explained to it is that if it's holding up your job, uh-huh. and it's minor and incidental is what the law says, Yeah. then you can subcontract outside of your trade Yeah. to have that work done. Okay. But if, like, you were a general contractor mm-hmm. and you needed some siding done, and your siding guy is doing a siding and he needs some more help and he wants to hire another siding contractor or he wants to hire a contractor to do the windows Mm -hmm. and he's only a siding specialty contractor, he cannot do that. I see, okay. The reason is for the bonding requirements. Uh So the difference between a general contractor and a specialty contractor is, in a sense, the bonding requirements. Specialty contractors required Uh $6,000, general contractors required $12,000. Okay. The extra 6000 is for the protection of the workers and subcontractors and suppliers. Mm-hmm. So they look at when you're a general contractor, you're going to have more people and you're going to intend to hire people, so you need more of a bond. And, yeah, so okay. that's a lot of the common things that we yeah. see. Uh, I could go on for a long time right. about it, but <laughs> those are the big ones that we see, mainly no disclosure. Unfortunately, people may not be re- registered and then specialty contractors working outside of their scope. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Um, we do get quest- questions about um, registering as a contractor a lot within our association, people who are interested in um, maybe they're working in Portland and they want to come work over here, and there's a very big difference between um, what it takes to register between the states. So do you want to talk about what it takes to become a contractor in Washington? Yes. We, we see that a lot. Uh, that's what I explained before. A lot of time is they'll come and get a business license. So, in a sense, we'll we'll say we're going to use an LLC company. Mm-hmm. 
there's in a you need a three-step process. You need to go to Washington Secretary of State and mm-hmm. establish your LLC okay. or other corporate entity if you want to do other than an LLC. Once you get that, you can get your business license and you'll get a UBI number, mm-hmm. which is a 60 if you got one today, it would most likely be a 604 number and it's nine digits. Once you have those two, you want to go get bond and insurance. A good rule of thumb is to go to your car insurance dealer um, and see if they provide it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they will put you in the right direction to get bond and insurance. If you are looking to be a general contractor, you'll need a $12,000 bond. If you're looking to be a specialty contractor, you'll need to have a $6,000 bond. Insurance, a good rule of thumb. A lot of hiring contractors look for a million-dollar policy, but the mm-hmm. requirements, I believe, is around three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand. So once you have those two, you got your business license and your Secretary of State set up. Then you can bring that paperwork to Washington L&I okay. and file that with us. It's $114 for your registration once you have everything. And we will get you registered as a contractor and give you a registration number. Mm-hmm. Then you are registered as a contractor. Now, if you wanted to be a sole proprietorship, yeah. you didn't want to go through the LLC in that. We have a kiosk in our Vancouver office located off of Mill Plain that you can get your bond and insurance. Your bond and insurance will have to be in your name because you are a sole proprietor. Come in. You can use our kiosk and get registered in our office. Okay, that's cool. So (laughs) it's a brief nutshell. Um, But if you're going to do anything other than sole sole proprietorship, in a sense, think there's three entities you need to talk to, business license, secretary of state, and then come to L&I. Okay. If you're going to be a contractor. Yeah, it's a really good way to remember it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that when we talked about scheduling this prior, you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the plumbing and electrical codes and Mm -hmm. some of the changes that were occurring. Um, So I'm just going to open it up to you now so you can kind of talk about some of those things. So I talked to our plumbing specialist, our technical specialist with the state, and he said uh, the codes are a living document, a live document. So talking about them... Now, in, sp- in spe- specifics, uh, probably wouldn't be the best way to mm-hmm. do it. We can talk about some stuff that is, is coming down the pipe, which is done, like uh, the new laws. The 2018 laws will be coming out July 1st, 2020. Okay. So that's a date to look for. And uh, they wanted me to talk about uh, the Senate Bill 5795. Um, okay. And this is for contractors in general as a whole. And that is previously, if you had an impairment on your bond, which is a judgment on your bond, Mm -hmm. three of those, the department could increase your bond amount. Okay. Now, that has recently been just changed to, it happens once, the department may up your bond, so you need to get an increased bond amount after one successful impairment or judgment. Mm -hmm. That is, the, the reason for that is, unfortunately, you know, there's contractors out there that it happens to, and it's happening more frequently, so they're trying to, in a sense, one of the goals of LNI is crack down on the bad guys to help the good guys. Yeah. So we're trying to help the good guys out on this one and prevent a lot more of the unfortunate things from happening. Mm-hmm. So that Senate bill just passed recently, and it takes 90 days for that to take an effect. So approximately, say, 90 days from today, yeah. it will be in effect. So that's, <coughs> excuse me, so that's a big thing. There's a lot more in there. I really encourage any contractors to go check it out. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to put a lot more focus on consumer protection and contractor registration. And then 
for the codes wise, uh, Bruce Bruce Springer is our technical spe specialist for the state of Washington. So he's a really good source for if you have any plumbing questions, you can reach out to him. I'll give Andrea his contact information. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And uh, but he usually he said his emphasis was make sure that everybody's doing their continuing ed, and we'll address any pertinent changes immediately in your continuing education because there's requirements for do that every year. Uh -huh. So they'll they'll take care of it in that aspect of it um, as far as electrical there's a lot more for electrical going on than plumbing mm -hmm. so 2023 any one will be required to have gone through an apprenticeship okay. so we're starting to go through an apprenticeship program requirement they are still working on there's a uh, concerns with trainees like say, well, what if I was a trainee? I got my trainee card within two years and mm -hmm. haven't fully got, haven't journeyed out by 2023. They are not sure of what the process they're going to do. They are working on some processes right now. A uh, couple ideas would be prorated, you know, years and continuing edge hours. Yeah. Or there was a couple other ones that they were talking about, but they're working on a couple different scenarios and electrical contractors are really good about talking to the board and throwing yeah. their suggestions in. So they're working on that. So that's one big thing that's really changing for electrical is that any electrician will have to be required to be in an apprenticeship. Um, Dave Campbell, I know a lot of our electrical contractors know Dave Campbell personally, um, but we'll give, I'll give you his information. He's a really good contact for any electrical questions or okay anything with the laws coming down the road. Thank you. But Dave wanted me to talk about a couple of things uh -huh. while we have you here. He's like a good rule of thumb is you got to have permits for everything. Mm -hmm. Unless it falls in the city, the permits go through the city of Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, anything outside of that comes to us unless the city or the county takes the permits themselves. Okay. So there's a few. So you just want to check with your city if you're doing work outside of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And... So pretty much everything for permits, they think if, if you're going to do electrical, you're going to need an electrical permit. Mm -hmm. um, we do the compliance in the city. So if you pull an electrical permit, mm -hmm. the city does not do any compliance as far as citations or any of that aspect. Okay. Uh, L&I does that. Um, demo is considered electrical unless terminated in the panel. Okay. So we'll see people come in and clear out a house. Everything's still cooked up in the panel. It's considered electrical work. Gotcha. So we want to make sure that's disconnected in the panel from a certified electrician, and then you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Cannot do any electri electrical work unless you're an electrician. Right. <laughs> um, so that it 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 we happens a lot. Yeah. So and you can always call us, mm -hmm. and we'll answer any of your questions. So we'll get you in the right direction for uh, electrical licensing to get become an electrical contractor if you're interested in that. Either you will need to employ or hold a master electrician card mm -hmm. or an administrator card. In that employee, if you hire somebody to be your administrator or master electrician, um, has to be a full-time employee. Okay. And we will we will look at that. Yeah. The license application and then a $4,000 bond for mm -hmm. electrical contractors. In the same steps as LLC or business license to do that. <laughs> If they're doing anything other than electrical work, like say an electrical contractor happens to be doing something else that's not required a license at that time, uh -huh. and it's not electrical, whether it's like they're going to pour a concrete slab or they're going to install a sign, a science, we see it a lot, 
they also have to have a contractor's registration. Okay. Because your electrical contractor's license doesn't go into the contractor registration realm. You, I see. You need to have two licenses there if you're going to do anything other than electrical. Mm-hmm. And sometimes ma- materials or components of an electrical project require contractor reg. And con- some electrical contractors don't know that. So Interesting, yeah. So, like, a good example would be putting up signs for a store. You have to pour the concrete, and you got to set set the post. Mm-hmm. Well, that concrete is pouring the concrete and setting the post is not electrical work. Yeah. Um, sometimes the setting the post is electrical work because it's a conduit for wiring, but basically the engineering and the me- mechanical part of the slab and the excavation and the forms that doesn't that's not covered under your electrical work. Gotcha. So that's a good thing to notice. <laughs> ex- exactly. So. A lot of contractors are good about it, but sometimes new contractors don't even... It doesn't even think, yeah, like, I have my contractor's license, yeah. but you need to have both. Gotcha. And the code changes. The code tra- changes frequently. The NEC changes every three years, and we requires eight hours of NEC work or uh, continuing education code update every... We require that as well. And then we also have four hours of WAC and RCW update every year. So that's kind of our updates. We try to push it through our continuing ed that way because they'll address it there. And Mm -hmm. it's always changing, as they will know. Um, So, like I said, Dave Campbell is your good contact for the southwest Washington area. For questions, he's really good about it and Mm -hmm. very knowledgeable. So he'll be able to help you guys out the best. Perfect. Thank you. So with the continuing ed, it, do you guys offer the electrical and plumbing continuing ed, or are there other resources available? Um, do you know, or should we ask? I think it would be best to ask Bruce okay. and, and Dave. Okay. But I, I believe it's third party. They're, third party. But they are certified uh, certified instructors for the classes. Okay. But okay. verify with. Okay, definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so what other resources does L&I provide for contractors to stay up to date with code changes, continuing ed? I know you said to ask mm-hmm. them about mm-hmm. the third parties and any other resources, but are there other things that you can offer to contractors? Yes. So we have what we call contractor days that okay. are presented at our L&I office, and they're pre- they are put on periodically. There's usually little postcards that will go out or radio ads that will post that will uh, let contractors know that, hey, this event's coming up. Mm-hmm. I know in my vehicle I carry postcards of intro. We, that's another one. We have intro to L&I, which oh, okay. is for new companies, whether you have a business or you contractors, that I can hand out. If you guys are interested in learning more, yeah. here's my postcard. Come check it out. It's got a list of dates. So for both of those, we have those handouts that I can personally hand you. Um a really good tool is checking out our website. Okay. Uh, we are going to have a new website rolling out this summer. It's going to be a lot more mobile friendly. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can navigate everything on there a lot easier. And with our website, there is a wealth of knowledge on there. Mm-hmm. Like for contractors interested in becoming registered, how to become a registered contractor, it gives you a step-by-step guide on how to do it on our oh, website. Cool. And that is just in our search bar. I've done it personally before yeah. we came here just to make sure. Go to our website, type in how to become a registered contractor, step-by-step process, go and talk into all the different entities, and then come into L&I. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of information on our website, and I really encourage people to go there. 
We also have for consumers, mm -hmm. um, because all of the contractors and you and I are most likely homeowners or live in a home. Yeah. We have a campaign going on at protectmyhome.net that is for consumers, and this can apply to you know, your family members if they mm -hmm. think about buying a house or they have a house or hiring a contractor because it, it goes a long ways inside of your circle because everybody, in a sense, lives in a home. Yeah. So protectmyhome.net, and it's one of our websites, and it gives you a wealth of information on getting three bids, how to verify a contractor, making sure contractors are registered, and how to you know protect your home, in yeah. a sense. There's also a verify a contractor tool on our website. It's very simple to use, and I encourage contractors to use this as well mm -hmm. if they're hiring contractors. Okay. It takes about two minutes. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. You can search by their name. If you have their UBI number, you can search by that as well. There's four different searches in the search bar. You can also look up tradespeople, electricians, and plumbers to see if they are licensed to be doing the work. Yeah. So that's a good tool for homeowners. It's yeah. a good tool for contractors to use. Maybe if they're going to hire a new employee or mm -hmm. they're having somebody do work on their place or work for them, you can verify all of that, and it shows a lot of information on there. So we have the protectmyhome.net. Um, you can also renew your your contractor registration online cool. with through our website. Yeah. There's been times where we've had questions with contractors, and we can go right on our phone and, and show them how to do it because their date might be coming up, Yeah. and we can show them, boom, you can do it right here on your phone. Oh, thanks. I don't even have to go in the office. Yeah. It's a simple fee. Everything's going mobile. So that's a great tool because, unfortunately, sometimes you forget. Mm -hmm. And it, it happens. And hopefully they catch it before we come on site. But, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, it's as simple as going on the phone as long as, the, if, as, long as you have all your documents on file, like your insurance and bond, because uh -huh. there's things you have to renew. You can do it on your phone really fast. So that's a good tool. You can renew. You can look up stuff. You can find continuing education classes on, okay. our, on our website. So that's awesome. There's so much information on there. Yeah. So deep dive into it. You can find lots of cool yeah. stuff in there. Cool. Alrighty. Do you have anything else you want to um, close with? Any other updates mm -hmm. or you know pieces of information? Or do you want to leave the listeners with anything to ponder or mm -hmm. call to action? Yeah. So in closing... Um, as a region, we are looking more for consumer protection. Okay. Uh, and consumer protection falls as for the homeowner. It mm -hmm. falls for the other contractors, too, and anybody involved. Because we work for those contractors just as much as we work for those homeowners because they're out there doing it correctly. And I hear it a lot is we can't compete with these guys out here. Yeah. So if you guys ever have issues or concerns... You, my phone number will be uh, with Andrea here, and you guys can call me, and we have um, lots of abilities to help you guys out, but with just two guys for that big area, it's hard mm -hmm. for us to be everywhere at once. Yeah. So we're here to work for you as well, and consumer protection is the biggest thing that we're pushing forward now is doing these outreaches so people know, mm -hmm. putting our phone numbers out there. Yeah. I mean, every time I go on site, you know, I try to address any of these concerns or questions they may have for L and I as a whole, because a lot of contractors don't know who I am or mm -hmm. never seen a compliance inspector for contractors. They may know who electrical compliance is, but they've never seen us. Yeah. So we try to explain to them what we do, and we're here to help them. And if they need any questions, I mean, like I said, my cell phone number's on everything, my desk phone, my email. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Mm -hmm. So I give that to every person I talk to on site. And it goes for workers as well. Cause yeah. It, sometimes they're interested in becoming contractors, and if I can help them become contractors before 
before they go through that and give them the right way and say this is what you need to do. Yeah. Because sometimes the information, you know, the internet nowadays can right. be a little bit difficult. <laughs> and, and, you know, I see it firsthand all the time as some guys think that they are doing good, but unfortunately they're not. Mm-hmm. So we try to take the education and outreach big time. So doing presentations, we have the intro to L&I presentations, we have the contractor days, we have our on-site visits that mm-hmm. are educational every single day. And that's the time you can ask questions. Yeah. If you're ever interested, you know, I I, I take it as well, we're an open book and transparent. Yeah. And and for consumers, make sure that you're hiring registered contractors, um, just for your protection because we unfortunately have to deal with a lot of cases. Um, mm-hmm. On my partner, I'm averaging ten ten a month of oh, wow. consumers that are harmed, or it's subcontractors that aren't paid, or yeah different situations like that I mean there's a lot so we're trying to get the word out there put our phone mm-hmm. numbers out there we're trying to be more proactive instead yeah. of reactive and be be more be more of a make a better working relationship with the public and, and the contractors with LNI so that's kind of the direction we're taking and I guess if I was to leave them with anything is you know make sure that homeowners make sure that their contractors are registered and contractors don't be afraid to reach out yeah because we're here for you mm-hmm. uh, we can keep your information anonymous as well because a lot of people don't like that mm-hmm. and we work for you too so use us and we're here for you and thank you for having us yeah thank you so much this was great information mm-hmm. and we'll leave all the contact information in the description as well um, and our office and yours are more than happy to help out in any way we can so thank you so much thank you Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this and all of our episodes. Contractor Chat is available for streaming on our website, www.swca.org, on SoundCloud, and of course on iTunes.